Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for intel, forecasts, and success strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Ball. Thanks for being with us. This segment is brought to you by CommercialAgentSuccess.com. This is video training for commercial agents. It's brand new. It's awesome. Check out their website, CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Today, we have an awesome show for you. Deloitte puts out a report every year. It's called This year, it's called the 2018 Real Estate Outlook. Good, good year, right? Good year's coming up. And they put out this report every year. It's great. It gives us a look at uh, what's going on in the commercial real estate world, what to expect moving forward. Please welcome my guest. It's Jim Barry. Jim is partner with Deloitte. He's the U.S. real estate and construction leader. And he's joining us on Skype. Jim, thanks for being with us. Michael, thanks for having me today. Well, Jim, the uh, looks like the overall theme of the report this year, and check out this report. Uh, we'll have a link to it uh, under the video or uh, in the podcast links, uh, so check it out, uh, is create value amid uncertainty and change. So that's the overall view. And then you kind of start off with the convergence of disruption, and there certainly has been a lot of technology created for commercial real estate in the last few years. Yeah, that's right, Michael. When we sat back and thought about the out, this year's outlook, which is an annual uh, publication that we put out, we really wanted to focus on not just the fact that disruption is occurring, but that there's really this convergence of various factors that's occurring uh, that goes really kind of the whole gamut. What's the real impact? And when you look around the corner, the impact of technology on various aspects of the real estate industry, but also all the way through talent and our and people. How's that going to be influenced and impacted as we look forward? Right. And some of the technology involves robotics, right? What do you see there? Yeah, definitely. Uh, things that are moving quickly by, by leaps and bounds is in the areas of uh, robotics and cognitive and really two different areas. But uh, first off, to remind everyone, robotics isn't, aren't robots. <laughs> robotics are really uh, designs that allow people to take fairly routine tasks that may take a lot of time, require a lot of data, to basically assemble that data more quickly in a more user-friendly fashion to allow individuals and professionals to quicker, to more quickly utilize that data to make decisions, to interface with their customers and their clients, uh, and to, to drive either the transaction or the, uh, the interface with the customer in a better fashion. Yeah, that's a good point. And some of that technology is involved in funding, right? Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> and, and it's actually a great intersection of a lot of different things. You know, when you look into the fintech arena and see some of the things that are occurring there, fintech, you know, it's a, it's a term that's used a little broadly, but uh, really caught, falls into two categories. There's the operating uh, aspect of companies today in, in the fintech arena, but then also uh, within the funding or capital sourcing arena. You know, there's some great leaps and bounds occurring with some, some innovation that's occurring when, uh, w within certain fintechs and investments they're making, whether or not it's leasing, whether or not it's appraisals, whether or not it's uh, better ways and mechanisms to gauge the operations of a office building or any kind of real estate, you know, to better uh, control cost or to better uh, bring uh, a customer experience such that, for example, in retail, managing or understanding traffic flow, 
the the nature and and, and buying of, of customers or buying patterns of customers and how best to team between the real estate company and the retail company, for example, on how to utilize that data. Yeah, and what else is an example out there, Jim, do you see that is really impacting uh, CRE World today? Yeah, it goes across a lot of gamuts, but uh, but to kind of stick with, you know, this idea of of uh, utilizing technology, you know, if you take a base transaction and let's say that, uh, you know, you're, you're trying to work a deal, you know, we've all been there and we've all been part of it. And if depending on the complexity of, of the deal, you know, and, and the nature of it, that timeline on, on the transaction can actually, you know, be quite long. Just let's just take the example of, of a basic appraisal. OK, so the information that has to be gathered in an appraisal situation, you know, is readily available data. And however, you know, we're still utilized for a large part, you know, certain mechanisms in place that, that have been there for a while. And then we end up with a somewhat, you know, point in time report, understandable and very effective for its use. But now with the use of, of uh, both uh, uh, certain aspects of robotics as well as uh, other aspects, gathering that data in a quicker fashion, pulling it together and shortening the timeline on the front end for the appraisal and making it more uh, user friendly. Uh, such that as updates are required, once again, depending on the length of the transaction, it can more easily be attained. That's just one example, uh, but uh, of really trying to shorten the time frame. And what type of shorting time, shortening time frame would you see? It, it can be extreme. I mean, there are folks out there now when they really are looking at aspects of what they can do, are talking about shortening time frames from 30 days to five, six, seven days. Yeah. And something like that, uh, which is pretty amazing. And it also, once again, and, and I think this is really important, all of these tools uh, that we talk about are just that. They're tools to take a process down and, and gather that information so that the, the true focus of the individuals and the professionals can be on the transaction or the customer and better uh, serving that purpose as opposed to data gathering. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm. I'm glad you brought that up. You know, uh, sometimes when I see challenges in a transaction, it's because the people really haven't interacted enough and maybe they've relied too much on technology and email and, and all sorts of, of systems. But like you said, they are making it more efficient, are making things more fast, more, more faster. They're making it faster. Yeah. Um, what about, Kind of the one thing that I think that slows down transactions is picking funding, create, creating the funding, the capital stack. You know, what mm -hmm. do you see moving forward there? And is there some disruption, some changes moving forward there? Yeah, and that moves us to the, to the second part of the fintech that we talked about, and that is the funding. And it's really a dynamic that's, uh, that's really getting its legs under it uh, and, and adds a new element to potential funding mechanisms. Uh, you know, crowdsourcing. Uh, is certainly an, uh, uh, there are certainly companies now that have really gained momentum and are offering a great platform as, a, as an additional opportunity for uh, at least certain aspects of real estate. I think the one thing, and it also is providing another mechanism for investors to broaden their footprint into real estate. Uh, you know, how to get in at a lower level, how to diversify your portfolio in real estate without actually taking ownership of the property. It's providing that mechanism. The other interesting part about uh, about that part from a crowdfunding perspective is it's really 
forcing us all to look at the cost of the transaction from that perspective is speed, because clearly that's one of the advantages, but also the cost is at a, normally at a lower uh, level, which challenges all of us across all the platforms of funding to say, how do we uh, increase the speed of obtaining additional capital and other mechanisms and at a lower cost of capital? So what is all this technology, this convergence of technology, doing to property level performance, uh, real estate values? What do you expect moving forward? That's a great question. And it really, I think, is I'd answer it probably in, in, in two ways. One is that the great thing about where real estate is today is that we are a, a well-established, well-recognized uh, industry uh, from a broad market perspective. So it's no longer just real estate people playing in real estate. Uh, and so that is appealing across uh, uh, numerous investor uh, platforms. The other part, so you take that and then that says though that we also then are held to a standard of capital attraction that goes across many different areas. So we're competing for different types of capital in different ways. And that's important to keep in mind because going back to the fact that if we are going to successfully uh, compete, you know, the cost of that capital and how we manage that and our ability to provide more and more transparency as an industry only moves up. So that as people can look at our, the operating companies, the operating platforms, uh, they can really see transparency. What is the strategy? How are they How is the company operationalizing against that strategy? And uh, what has been the success pattern against that? And providing real data to support that. Well, from all of this, might we expect the performance of commercial real estate properties to be more stable moving forward through downturns because of this transparency? Michael, I think you, you've really hit the nail on the head. And I think we've, you know, certainly uh, I've been doing this since the 80s. So I've seen more than a couple of cycles. Uh, and every cycle is different. There's, there's no doubt about it. The cause element of it and the way that, uh, that we come out of the cycle varies. But I think one of the things that we're seeing now, because of the discipline of the industry, because of the maturity of the industry, and because of the fact that this data is now more readily available and uh, that attracts uh, you know, better capital and, and better uh, uh, consistent capital, that does do exactly what you're saying. It, it allows us to manage as an industry those peaks and valleys differently so that we're not hitting that overbuild that then troughs down dramatically and then moves up. It's a much more disciplined approach, which should allow uh, for a, a lessening of troughs. Yeah, and that's a good thing. <laughs> this, uh, yeah, it that, is a good thing. <laughs> this last recession was a, was a bad one, and I don't think anyone <laughs> expects it to be, ever be that bad again. But, yeah, this, the, the transparency, the information could keep, should keep us from making those kind of big mistakes before. Well, stay with us. We're going to take a short break. When we get back, we're going to talk to Jim about REITs and what to expect moving forward with technology, with commercial real estate. If you work with REITs or you're, you are a REIT, or you're investing in REITs, and you might be investing in REITs through your, your stocks uh, investments and not even know it. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Are you a real estate agent? Hi, this is Michael Bull. Would you like consistent high income? 
Would you like to be the top producer in your office? Would you like to be known as the go-to broker in your market? Well, I have something for you. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Build out the best all-in-one marketing tool for your brokerage. Learn how you can create marketing materials instantly and streamline your property listings process. Visit buildout.com. Excelligent, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Colliers, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit commercialsearch.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. This segment is brought to you by Bull Realty Asset and Occupancy Solutions. Visit bullrealty.com. And today we're covering the Deloitte 2018 Real Estate Outlook. My guest is Jim Barry, his partner with Deloitte. And Jim, one of the things that you have a big chapter and a big area here is unlock the value of REITs, acceler accelerate business. What do you mean there? <laughs> yeah. When we look, looked at, once again, the impacts of, of all that's happening in the market, we really wanted to kind of set the table. And so one of the first things we focused on is the uh, disconnect that has continued between net asset value and shareholder value, our share price within certain, within REITs, and in particular, certain REIT sectors. Uh, certainly have seen a variance of that uh, where you look at maybe some of the non-traditional REITs that have come into the market, uh, data centers being a great example of that. They're actually outperforming. Uh, but then, you know, some of the more traditionals, uh, the good example being retail or office, where that uh, gap has continued to widen. And what might be the, the uh, impacts of, or what's really impacting that and causing that uh, continued uh, divergence. And what are some things that should be looked at to try and uh, solve for that? Yeah. Well, our, I think some of the people would think that the REIT uh, values may adjust up and down kind of with the stock market, but real estate's more stable, right? That's correct. And that's one of the things, that's one of the points that we actually make when we think about maybe three things to focus on. Uh, and, and to your point, Michael, that is one of them. One is just the fact that, once again, as a bigger and, 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 and a, a much more uh, sought-after segment uh, for investing in the broader public, you know, we're competing for capital more broadly, right, or investors more broadly. And so from that perspective, as, uh, you know, certain things happen within the economy, there's a nat natural attraction to real estate, which may be a more stable provider of return, uh, particularly, you know, from, from the REIT perspective. Uh, now, as interest rates continue to, are starting to move a little bit, as there are other alternatives coming into the market, uh, then that, that, that investor attraction may move to a certain, to a different place. So that's, at least at this point in the cycle, so that's one element. Uh, the other element that we point to is that uh, clearly within certain sectors, the, uh, the, the tenant representation and kind of the, the noise around some of that, what's happening in other industries, uh, has, has had a clear impact, if you will, the risk factor of it, retail being probably the prime example. Uh, interestingly enough for retail, if you look at a lot of the performance there, the underlying uh, value indicators have not changed dramatically for the real estate 
operator. You know, there's there's still good uh, operating data and operating statistics, but there's been a clear decline in value there or shareholder price. Once again, probably tied to uh, to more to the, the information around the retail industry as opposed to the underlying real estate. Yeah, I think when investors, uh, lenders, you know, the general public uh, reads in the paper every day that uh, online sales continue to grow, that more and more some of these older retailers are having troubles. It almost just makes you think that that you're just the general consensus is that retail's in trouble. Right, and so it's clearly at a it's clearly at a point of change where none of us uh, can deny that, and we all live it and experience that every day from a retail perspective. But from a real estate perspective, then the question goes to how do you maximize uh, the value of that asset? And really, we're seeing great transformation uh, within that part of the industry. Now, you know, we probably shouldn't kid ourselves. There's going to be winners and losers anytime there's disruption in anything. But those who are really looking ahead and thinking about it, you know, have changed the dynamic. You know, think about the way that we may go to a, to a mall today versus the way we went in the past. You know, in the past, we really went to shop to buy to do something in particular. Now we may go, we're going to the mall, maybe uh, say we want to buy a particular electronic. We probably looked online to begin with. We've explored that aspect of it. You know, we like, you know, I'd like to understand maybe a little more about it. And I see that, you know, here's the place where it's, you know, located at a convenient location. Oh, and by the way, I know this great restaurant that just opened there. Then so we'll uh, go, you know, have a buying experience or at least learn more about what we're thinking about buying. But then uh, have a night out, if you will. So it's more about the experience in real and retail as opposed to just the buying aspects of things. And so one of the aspects from a real estate perspective is how are you partnering uh, to best achieve that? Yeah. Well, you ask how we go to malls, and I think the way I always went to malls was uh, I was drug kicking and screaming. <laughs> That's still to be the way I go. I'm not uh, real fond of going out and uh, shopping, so uh, the online, online shopping certainly works well for me. So based on your outlook here, what mm-hmm. might people expect for re- performance uh, moving forward into 2018? You talked about you know, there may be more demand from investors uh, for real estate. Uh, you might have some rising interest rates changing things. You might Some people might feel that, uh, that real estate's safe, that maybe uh, with the transparency we talked about in the other segment, that maybe commercial real estate's performance is steady. So what do you think about REITs next year? Yeah, I think that that I think you've hit on several key factors. I mean, I will say this. I think that the the REITs overall, you know, have have been are in a great position as an overall segment uh, of investing options. And a big part of that does go back to the fact that it is such a a much more disciplined and organized uh, industry and really allows a great option for diversification. In addition, uh, we've also, you know, the, that the, since REITs now, you know, are separately tracked, uh, you know, it really has attracted uh, additional opportunity for people to look at REITs differently. So I do believe that will provide additional opportunity to attract additional investors. Uh, and generally speaking, uh, you know, from a broader uh, investing public perspective and uh, those who are looking to place, place money, uh, there's still a high attraction for 
uh, you know, for placement in real estate in general. Now, I will point again, there are probably, you know, certain segments that have a little uh, uh, longer uh, push in that as uh, as some of this uh, disruption occurs in, on the peripheral of their of the of the real estate. Uh, but uh, but strong fundamentals, transparencies to investors, offering good data, emphasizing the strategy and it being able to demonstrate uh, clear progress against that strategy is going to pay dividends. And the other thing I would point out is, uh, you know, is that this is still the U.S. is still a great place for uh, foreign capital to come in, both when the public markets, but also in the private markets and looking at uh, safe havens, but also just a good, steady uh, return that they can count on. So I think that capital flow is going to continue as well. Yeah, that's a good point. And you mentioned interest rates and impacting uh, REITs, and I guess we're expecting, or are we? Ex- are you expecting a uh, rate increase here in December? Um, so how might rates increase moving forward as you look at your outlook, and how might that impact REITs and commercial real estate? Right. We've obviously all benefited from the lower interest rate um, that that's existed now for a while. But I think we all, uh, once again, going back to the fact that we're you know, a mature industry and understand, you know, the dynamics. You know, I think we all have built in an expectation that interest rates will move, uh, and we've clearly seen that. Most models that I've seen today have really baked in an anticipation of what if uh, those interest rates do move. And so they're looking at deals carefully from that perspective. Uh, the value, I think that uh, the values have uh, underlying asset values have contemplated that. Uh, the other thing that I probably that I would point out to is, you know, if you want to, you know, people often ask kind of in conjunction with this is then where are we in the cycle? What inning are we in or some of those kinds of things? And in contrast to where we were in like 2008, where that we really hit a, a point of li- uh, liquidity crisis, you know, and, and contemplated by the CMBS and some other things, and where we just hit at that moment, you know, at this point we really have the baseline underlying fundamentals haven't experienced the kind of problems that we might have seen previously, you know, no true signs of overbuilding, uh, continued, uh, you know, uh, opportunities for growth, a much more disciplined approach. Uh, once again, varies by some geographies, by some sectors, but overall very manageable. So yeah, yeah, and, and, and it's different. It even sounds different. I remember 07, 08, You know, uh, talking to my sister, and my little <laughs> sister's flipping beach houses. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, you're flipping <laughs> beach houses. Okay, uh, that's pretty crazy. Uh, you know, when you're at a party, everyone there's talking about how great real estate is, and they're flipping right. contracts and things might be time to sell, right? <laughs> I was about to say, call me when your little sister starts flipping beach houses again, right? <laughs> yeah. When she tells me that again, I'm going to start selling everything, right? <laughs> um, all right, we're going to take a short break. When we get back, we're going to talk about the report a little bit more. And this is going to be important to everyone out there, whether you're running a business or real estate. It is about people. It is about your talent. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com. 
Video is powerful. Some of the biggest brands in commercial real estate have trusted us to tell their story. We are Barnes Creative Studios, premier commercial real estate video services. BarnesCreativeStudios.com. Would you like access to invest in institutional quality commercial real estate with experienced sponsors with small amounts of money? Of course you would. Visit RealCrowd.com. Choose between Core, Core Plus, Value Add, or Opportunistic. Visit RealCrowd.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Uh, this segment is brought to you by BuildOut.com. If you are a commercial real estate agent, check out BuildOut.com. You'll be glad you did. Well, today we're talking about the 2018 outlook from Deloitte about commercial real estate. My guest is Jim Barry, and he's joining us on Skype. And, uh, Jim, one of the big sections of your report, I think, is is really on target for 2018 and moving forward. Uh, the headline is Reimagine Talent and Culture Advance People. What do you see? Yeah, and so that's a real challenge for our, for our industry and, and from a broader perspective and, uh, and and from a couple different different avenues. One is, you know, we're just the dynamics of where we are in the U.S. overall, multi-generational, uh, clearly, uh, a change in demographics. You know, we're you know the as the baby baby boomers continue to 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 move out of the workforce, and the millennials and and the other generations continue to move in. Uh, so managing through uh, you know that culture change is really important. Uh, but also looking at it from the perspective of what are the demands for talent? Uh, what's the skill sets that's not only required today, but are going to be required in the future? And how do you create an environment of constant learning and change? You know, the reality of where we are in, in real estate as well as other industries is the rapid pace of change is only going to continue. And so it's with that skill set development, uh, further enhancements of how you know our, our people can uh, better enable technology uh, is really going to be another part of what uh, I think the the workforce is really going to be looking for. Uh, where's a company that's willing to invest in me and look at things maybe a little bit different? Yeah, that's a good point. And you know, I was at a commercial real estate event uh, the other day, and I looked around the room and. I saw a lot of me. I saw a lot of old white guys. Into, you know, we have a lot of diversification at our shop here at uh, Bull Realty. But when I look at commercial real estate in general, uh, we're old, we're white. We need more youth. We need more diversification, don't we? Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think that's coming. Uh, I'm also struck by the fact when you look at some of the key um, attributes that uh, the, uh, the millennials and, and others are looking for, uh, they really are looking for places that are vibrant. They're looking for places that are 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 really willing to uh, again invest in them, but also to create an environment of challenge and change and embracing change. And I would go back, you know, all the way. You know, I've been in the industry for a very long time, but I would go back that that's always been an element of our industry is one that really will, uh, you know, we're we're do transactions, we do deals, we like to uh, to move uh, as fast as we can. And so how do we embrace that energy into developing a culture 
an environment that that really attracts people. Remembering also, we have to compete against other industries uh, for those same people and those same capabilities. Yeah. So is that one of the answers to attract vibrant young people is to create that culture, create that and, and training? Right. I think one of the things that uh, if you look at commercial real estate brokerage, there's a lack of training. I recently started a training company, CommercialAgentSuccess.com, because I looked around as like there's not very good training for these young people. And they, they they get in and fail and then they tell their friends and it's like, well, we're not getting any new people. Yeah, it's, it's a good point. No doubt training is a, is a key element. And I know even with, you know, if I just talk about Deloitte and the amount of time and effort and energy that we spend in training our people. Uh, it's, it's incredible and worthwhile. Uh, but with that said, I do believe that's an area that real estate overall, as a, a, from a broad perspective, you know, could, could use better strategies around and better investment and really some learnings from other places and other industries. You know, the other part of it, in addition to training and just bringing people, you know, through the process, if you will, is that uh, we also need to realize that it's not just about creating a a, uh, a space, if you will, that you throw a ping pong table in there and suddenly you know work, it's a cool area to work, right? Anymore, it's really about you got to think about the experience that you're creating, and I'll bridge this into a couple different ways. One is when you are bringing your people in, you know, maybe for the first time or for that interview, what's the real experience they see when they come into your office or your or your business or your operation? I mean, do they get a sense that it, it does have energy in it? Do they get a sense that there's an, uh, you know, an open environment? Do they get a, uh, it, it's beyond just how they're greedy, but it's the feel of the space that they're walking into as well. Uh, does that create additional energy? Are there way uh, have the, we started to to embrace uh, the way people work differently today? You know, the old days of nine to five are gone, uh, and we really have to consider workplace environment that's conducive to the way people work. So whether or not it's remotely, or whether or not it's when they come in and through the office, it's a different element of drop down stations. Uh, ways that you congregate as teams differently uh, and how to make that an, an efficient uh, process for everybody as well. Yeah, well, you poo-pooed the ping pong table. Now I've got to get rid of my ping pong table. <laughs> oh. uh, well, you know, I, I think it's when we see the foosball table that we start to worry about those those tenants, right? <laughs> the there foosball table. There you go. And it's terrible because I like to have one, but... Uh, it might be a bad sign. So what <laughs> a, what about wellness moving forward? It seems like that, you know, we've, we're putting more people in less space. We want more productivity. How important is wellness moving forward? Right. And even to that, you know, uh, even to that point about more people and, and less space, it really, once again, I would say that goes to how do people work, right? So embracing that. And, and it has to be a design that, that accommodates uh, the way people work. But yeah, wellness is absolutely it. The, and really, once again, I would, I really, this experience part of work, it, it, you know, you, it, no longer are people wanting to compartmentalize their lives as much. And how, therefore, do you make the work experience as much about the life experience? So incorporating, clearly, that's, that's no longer even just about normal and standard, you know, great benefits package. It really is about you know, how do you help the individual uh, from a, uh, you know, 
we've already talked about learning and, and kind of the mental aspect of things, but also, you know, caring for them as an individual and demonstrating that and how they can best, uh, you know, continue to be productive uh, is also important. So setting up very specific programs around um, uh, they go all the way from even, you know, the food you may cater in may be different and look different and feel different. So, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, we used to get candy bars and soda drinks and we took out and put health food in. We took out the soda drinks and put in juices and things like that. But uh, I guess the one thing I do need to do is take the trash can I have at the front door and the sign that says, put your cell phone in here, millennials, and don't use it at, in the office. I need to take that down is what you're saying. <laughs> I'll tell you, that'll be a hard thing to, to take out of anyone's hands anymore. But yeah, it's interesting, right? And it's, it's, it, is, it is an aspect of the generational difference. And I think we have to recognize those things because all generations have great things to offer. Uh, but, you know, it, but those of us who might have been around for a little bit longer shouldn't look at the way that people interact today as 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 wrong it's really just different right and so any more multitasking uh having you know the ear pod in and and while you're doing some different things you know is 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 a norm but they can learn also i think from us who have been around longer how you build relationships how how best to embrace technology but also not forget the importance of the connectivity with uh with those around us and how to build those relationships when we're thinking about recruiting we're thinking about retention we're thinking about maybe millennials uh, they're getting a little older maybe they're getting yep. more successful maybe more demanding in their workplace and we talked about you know, open floor plans and and um you know fewer or more people per square footage uh, you mentioned wellness are we seeing any pushback moving forward in your outlook for these companies that are doing open space are putting more people in less space, or do you kind of see that continuing to move forward? Well, it, I would say that those who are really trying to think about it uh, differently will, are really trying to say, let's start with our business, our company, and our culture, okay, when they design their space, because the, the, the space that you operate in ought to be a reflection of your culture. And, um, and so if you kind of start at it from that perspective, it really isn't as much about, I would say, not as much about trying to manage to a square footage because that's a cost element, right? What you're really trying to do is say, how do we design this to reflect our culture, but also provide uh, a, a mechanism for people to, to operate in the way they need to operate. So if you go around our offices today, uh, there are very few offices. I mean, you know, we pretty much, we will hotel. Uh, we will utilize those from a drop-down perspective. Uh, for private meetings, but then you go on to big floors and there will be, we may have an open concept, but we'll set up different stations so it's easy for teams to get together so that they can um, uh, plug in, they can utilize, uh, you know, bigger screens that will be available for us, you know, a gathering of six or seven people to share ideas and share information, but do it in a, in a fashion that feels more collaborative as opposed to um, you know, kind of the old model. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, those are good points. And if somebody would like to see some examples of that, uh, our space here has a TV radio studio in it that faces an open cafe with big screens and health food. And we have rooms where there's screen shared screens and kind of bar tables. And uh, uh, there's a game room instead of workstations, these open pods. And, and you're right, when people come in, they're like, 
this is cool and this is exciting and this is a yep. place I, I want to work and people do seem to be uh, smiling. They're working. <laughs> but they yep. do seem to be smiling. Well, Jim, we're talking about your report here, the Deloitte 2018 Real Estate Outlook. So as a closing here, as, as you look at this report, you guys created it, what would be the one thing, a tip that you would leave our listeners with moving forward? Uh, I would come back to say that, once again, recognizing not just the aspect of disruption, but the convergence of all elements of disruption, and that now's the time to really embrace those things and to look around the corner to make sure that you're taking the time to re-challenge your processes, the way you do things, and the way you integrate that into your business in order to position yourself most effectively for the opportunities ahead. Good point. Jim, thanks for joining us. Great information. Thanks, Michael. I appreciate it. And thank you for joining us out there. Uh, however, you're doing that on radio stations, YouTube, iTunes, maybe you're on the show website, CREshow.com. We appreciate you being with us. We appreciate you subscribing and sharing and commenting on the show. And let us know uh, your thoughts. We'll have a link to this report, uh, the 2018 Real Estate Outlook by Deloitte, uh, on our website. So check it out. And until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh. And join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty, Asset and Occupancy Solutions, CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Better serve clients, earn more commissions. Excelligent, building data everywhere. Real Crowd, crowdfunding with the professionals. Get Valuate, online investment analysis. Build Out, marketing for your brokerage. For more information on these great companies, visit CREshow.com. And you're invited to subscribe to the show on YouTube and iTunes and connect with us on your favorite social media.